Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming again and again. Thank you again and again, and coming again and again. So for both things. Thank you for having something to come to. Yeah. Continue tonight with Jiva Goswami's Bhagavat Sandarbha. Um, with the 95th Anucheta, but just to recap and make sure everybody got it, let's go back to the 94th Anucheta. Paramorti. Paramorti refers to which form of the Supreme? Transcendental. Transcendental form, which has a form, Morti. That would be Lord Krishna or Narayan or any of those transcendental manifestations of God. Then we have aparamorti. Not transcendental form. Generally this refers to? The ones that are in the material world. That are pictured. The Guna avatars. No, because they're transcendental. They're transcendental. They're not eternal. That's what they're all right. Apara means not transcendental. Universal form? Generally, it refers to the universal form, apara morti. It's a form that's conceived in the minds of the yogis, but it's it's truly and it's it's just a meditational convenience for them. And often, it's referred to as a stepping stone in transcendental realization. So it's apara. It's not truly a, a transcendental form, uh, but it does. It is a form, so a paramorti, so a paramorti and paramorti. Then we come to para amorta, para amorta. Brahman realization, right? So. These transcendentalists, the jnanis, they have a conception of the absolute, but they can't they can't subscribe to a absolute that has form. Primarily, Jiva points out because when they think of form, they naturally ascribe to that material existence and they think that transcendence is in direct opposition to material life so therefore there shouldn't there can't be a form in in the spiritual realm so if we're going to talk about transcendence we're not talking about a supreme that has form because form is what comes in the material world with everything material and so that's that's one of the hurdles that they have to cross is understanding that the transcendental there can be transcendental form, transcendental sound, transcendental transcendental everything. Transcendental doesn't mean just the negation of everything material. Although it is the negation of everything material, it doesn't mean the negation of everything that we we have come to recognize as material. 
we have misconceptions regarding what is spiritual and what is material. So, para amorti or amorta generally refers to the Brahman conception of the supreme absolute truth. Then we have apora amorta. This one's a little confusing because it generally refers to the immanent absolute or what we know as super soul. So how, do, how is it reconciled? Because you think super soul is transcendental. So how do we reconcile? Who is without visible form? We can't see the super soul. But we can certainly conceive of him being transcendental in the hearts of every living entity. But So he doesn't have any imminent form. This refers to the form of the Lord as Eshwara, the indwelling supreme self who is the ground and source of creation. But it's referred to as Apara. Apara. It's referred to in that way to make the distinction between Para-Murti, the Para-Murta form of the Lord, which is transcendental. So just to go over that, we will take shelter of Sridhar Swami's commentary and his explanation. According to Sridhar Swami, the fourth category, Aparamurta, and this manifestation refers to Paramatma. Truly speaking, Paramatma or Ishvara, meaning the all-encompassing Godhead, or generally Ishvara means what? Like, creator, so, is not a morta or formless. Truly speaking, he's not formless. Uh, rather, his form as the indwelling self remains unseen due to his quality of eminence. But the yogi can see the form of the Lord as he advances in, him, in his very self. He can perceive the super soul. That perception gives him a darshan of the super soul, which is seeing. Um, There's that picture in Bhagavad Gita of the super soul in the heart of the tree and the animal, all the animals in the picture. And mm-hmm. Here, a par does not mean inferior, phenomenal, or conceptualized, like the universal form, the, the Vishwarupa as in the case of Aparamurta, the Vishwarupa, etc. Rather, it implies a form other than the form of Bhagavan. Na para iti apara. This later, latter phrase could also be rendered imminence is that which is other than transcendence. Moreover, the word amorta, formless, does not mean formless as in the case of para amorta, but a form which is similar to and leads to the supreme form. Bhagavan. The na prefix is applied 
not only in the sense of negation, but in six senses, as is stated. And then there's a night more of an explanation. So I just wanted to go over that. Yes. I'm still not totally clear as to why it's called not transcendental. I get yeah. the amorta part, but I don't really get the apara apara part. Right. It's because it doesn't refer to Krishna in okay, his right, transcendental right. realm, according to Sridhar Swami. Right. So anything that's not transcendental. That's not Krishna in his right. full Krishna, right. then that. Is being referred can be referred to as apara. So I mean, Krishna is Krishna in the true sense of full transcendence, and it's not that uh, that the super soul uh, is less than that as far as being uh, devoid of contamination by the modes of material nature. But the super soul is. Wasn't there another thing too that it was uh, temporary? Yes. It comes and goes. Yeah. But still, Always it's existing. but it's still a turtle. Right. Yeah. Always existing, but comes and goes. So we'll move on now. We can go over that again if you want to. But I just thought it's it's good to. Uh, at the end of the last class I should have done a more of a, a recap because we covered some of the details to fill in the gap I realize a lot of this is thick philosophically but just bear with Jiva he's, he's got a purpose in mind we'll come out at the end of the Sundarbas much better for, for going through the study of them that's for certain. So, the next Anucheda. Shilajiva Goswami will explain that Srimad Bhagavatam is the topmost Vedic literature because it has the power to attract the absolute reality, Sri Krishna. What book can attract God? Imagine a, trans, a literature that can attract the Supreme. It's, it's in a class of its own, Srimad Bhagavatam, is what will come out here in this Anucheda. There's nothing like it. And we know that it attracts the Supreme because Lord Chaitanya likes it? Is that probably mm, here? No. Well, it's one of the features of the Bhagavatam. Mm -hmm. So we'll let Jiva explain exactly what he means by that. In the previous section, meaning the Anucheta we just completed, Srila Jiva Goswami demonstrated that Bhagavan is the complete and indivisible as absolute reality and that all other manifestations are dependent on and thus inferior to him. So that whole, that whole exercise, para, paramorta, paramorta, that's all just to, to bring out the fact that Bhagavan, Sri Krishna, Swayam Bhagavan is the topmost conception and manifestation of the Supreme Lord. But the Lord is the Lord and he can manifest in unlimited ways. Uh, so that's, that's the point being made. And what does 
What do we arrive at from this at 93rd Anucheta we just completed? We arrive at the conclusion is this is the whole message of the Bhagavad Sandarbha. Bhagavan Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna is the topmost manifestation of the Supreme Lord, the Supreme Absolute Truth. Whatever nomenclature you want to put upon anything that's beyond the realm and what you attribute to being the Godhead or the Brahman of all those conceptions that one may have, the topmost conception is Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. There's nothing, it doesn't get better than that. He is the para morta, the topmost conception. This is the central theme of Bhagavat Sandarbha. Jiva himself says it in this Anucheta on the Srimad Bhagavatam. The central theme, the primary meaning of words like tattva and brahma find their support only in Bhagavan. According to the degree of eligibility of the worshiper, Bhagavan manifests in different features in his personal form to the devotees as Paramatma to the yogis and as unqualified Brahman to the jnanis. To the devotees who have been, who are influenced by his majestic feature, he manifests as Ishvara. Here, Ishvara is meaning both Paramatma and when, and also Ishvara or the Lord with all of his opulences. Yes. All these various features simultaneously exist in the person of Sri Krishna, the original form of Bhagavan. So now we go on. Srimad Bhagavatam is the complete scripture. Jiva writes, Therefore, although Srimad Bhagavatam, the supreme fruit of the wish-fulfilling tree of the Vedas, is already superior in many ways. Its supreme excellence is that it embodies the knowledge that attracts the supreme truth known as Bhagavan. Sri Veda Vyas explains this as follows. So he's going to use as a praman to support and explain what your inquiry was. Well, how how do we know it attracts Krishna. That sounds like a pretty interest, I mean, attracting Krishna. That seems like a big task. So how can Srimad Bhagavatam attract even Krishna? We know it attracted Sukadev. We know it attracted the Kumars. It's attracted many Atmaramas, but how does it attract God? Second verse of the Srimad Bhagavatam says, The Supreme Lord is imminently arrested in the heart of the virtuous. As soon as they so much as desire to hear Srimad Bhagavatam, 
which reveals the supreme duty of the self, devoid of all deception or compromise, and which is undertaken by the pure-hearted devoid of envy. The only truly abiding substantive which grants auspiciousness and uproots the threefold miseries is the truth investigated here in Srimad Bhagavatam. So what need is there for any other scripture other than this beautiful Bhagavatam composed by the great sage, sage Vyasdev? That's from the second verse of the Bhagavatam itself. The Lord is immediately arrested in the heart of the virtuous as soon as they so much as desire to hear Bhagavatam. So, that's how much more are you arresting Krishna and putting him in the prison house of your heart if you actually read Bhagavatam and study the Bhagavatam and study books like the, the Sandarbhas and the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and the Brihat Bhagavata Prita and the Lagu Bhagavata Amrita and the commentaries on the Bhagavatam of all the, the great Acharyas. How much more uh, simply that act is, a, is, is arresting Krishna. He's attracted to that. He's He's attracted. Dharma projita kavato tra parmo nimatsara namsatam. The supreme dharma, parmo dharma, mentioned herein is that which is described in the section of Bhagavatam beginning with 126. The supreme duty of human beings is that which results in devotion to the supreme lord who is beyond the king ken of our material senses. And ending with the verse, therefore a best among the twice born, the perfection of duties attentively executed by people according to their varna and ashram lies in the satisfaction of Sri Hari. So earlier in the Tattva Sandarva Jiva Goswami uh, showed through scriptural reference that of all evidence, scriptural evidence, Srimad Bhagavatam is the topmost evidence that can be given regarding the absolute truth. Scripture trumps all when it comes to understanding the absolute truth. Um, the perceptions of the world around us can only take us so far and they could sometimes leave us more in confusion than in understanding. And they vary from one, one body to another. In some bodies, we don't even have a full set of senses. We're limited. Some body, there are no ears. So, some bodies, there's no, you know method of so um, here it is shown furthermore that Srimad Bhagavatam can grant the ultimate end 
of all that may be aspired to. So what's the qualification for hearing Srimad Bhagavatam? It's in this first verse of the Bhagavatam. It's a literature that can be consumed and appreciated by those that uh, the Sanskrit word is namatsaranam, free from envy. Since the only purpose of the Dharma or prescribed duty described in these verses is to please the Lord through generating pure devotional service, it is therefore the supreme Dharma. Because this Srimad Bhagavatam too is manifest for the sole purpose of pleasing the Lord, it therefore completely rejects deceptive characterized Deception characterized what? By goal seeking of any kind. So immediately it throws out all the scriptures of the karma kanda. Because there's some goal there, some goal to enjoy the fruits of life or to elevate one to the heavenly planets. Srimad Bhagavatam is starts off where those kind of goals leave you have to be free of of you have to be to niskarma karma uh, niskarma you don't have a desire to enjoy the fruits of your works and the gyanis the gyani scriptures they also have a goal in mind the goal is to and material suffering. So both the karma shastras and the jnana shastras are there's a goal they're goal goal oriented. And the Bhagavatam starts off with let's let's reject that kind of approach to spirituality. It, it just gets in the way of truly tasting the nature of our true self and truly in, entering into transcendence. The prefix pra in projita implies that even desires for the various types of liberations such as salokya are denounced. This being the case, this dharma, whose sole purpose is to please the Lord, is prescribed for the virtuous, satam, nimatsaranam satam, attentively engaged in their prescribed duties and who are without envy, nimatsaranam. Matsara, envy, means intolerance of the value found in others which is typical of those who hanker for the fruits of their actions. Namatsara means an absence of this envy, and by extension also includes those merciful people who do not kill animals. So we, you know, it's, 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 it's 
it's a it's a perfect entrance into spirituality to to recognize the necessity of being free of not appreciating other living entities how can you appreciate the supreme perfectly if you can't appreciate others is the point being made uh, even down to the animals although it is not stated explicitly this jiva goes on here Srimad Bhagavatam is superior to both the Karma Shastras and Upasana Shastra in establishing its conclusions because in both instances the purpose is to give rise to Dharma. This being the case, it cannot be expected that the intrinsic devotional Dharma of hearing and chanting the Lord's pastimes expressed in Bhagavatam would be found in these other texts. The other texts have many formulas for uh, acquiring things and for giving things up, but they're not full of the formulas that you find in the Bhagavatam, which are simply for those of hearing and chanting the Lord's name. So the question would be, well, What if we still have envy? That's also answered in the very first verse. Those who simply desire, so the desire to hear the Bhagavatam, even without qualification, leads to the ability to hear the Shastra, Srimad Bhagavatam. So we may not have, we may not be free of envy. There may still be some anarthas, some impressions from involvement in material life which would preclude one from, a, from entering into the mysteries of the Bhagavatam. But that too is answered by the Bhagavatam at the very beginning. If you simply desire to be able to hear it, then Krishna is arrested he wants to help at that point. Oh, you want to hear about me, but you are at least, you re and you recognize there may be some shortcoming on your part. Well, we'll deal with that. And that's brought out as we go through this and we come to the next Anucheta. Um, that's going to be brought out. That that's right there in the Chaktor Sloki. Exactly how that plays in to the whole thing. So it's, it's an interesting and exciting uh, explanation that Jiva Goswami gives us here. A little bit of background. There are many processes, of course, that lead to realization of God, but none so potent as hearing Srimad Bhagavatam. Let's go over some of the other processes. So Karmakanda. Karmakanda is result-oriented action. And there are scriptures that support result-oriented action. Um, and the purification of action. Uh, we all have to perform some act 
to accomplish anything. But if we can, if we can do the act under good guidance, we're going to get the result free of of any reaction for the most part. There will always be some reaction, but the whole karma khanda and the shastras associated with us give us the proper formulas. Sense of responsibility, Raji brings about purification of desire and action. So, Karmakanda Shastras tell us how to engage in action responsibly. If you want a good son, then you can perform this sacrifice, give in charity to the Brahmins, feed the, the villagers, or whatever the Brahmin may recommend, and by following this prescribed, cultured way of acting, you can be blessed with the sun. Then we have the Upasandakanda, deals with meditation and worship. Goes beyond the body, mind, self. Karma Kanda is basically centered on I am this body, I am this mind. Upasandakanda goes beyond. The person enters into meditation. What what is there something beyond what I perceive here? Um, it's still rooted in a separate sense of self. Upasandakanda. Um but it allows for the self-sense to be expanded and reorganized at the higher dimensional frequency of Sattva-gun. Sounds interesting. The New Agers would like that wording. Yeah. Allows for the self-sense, the, the sense of the self. Karmakanda has a, goes along with the fact that you were this body. If you, if you recognize you weren't the body, you wouldn't care if you had a good son or not, or a good wife, or if you could go to the heavenly planets, or if you could save your, your ancestors from suffering in hell. So there's all these prescriptions in the Karmakanda, and if you look at them, they really center around the fact that, that the person engaged in them has a sense of themselves which is associated with the body-mind complex. They're still attached to their body. Now, following the Karmakanda Shastras, we gradually are elevated beyond that, especially if we're so lucky to meet a sadhu. And we see examples of that in narrations of different uh, pastimes in the Bhagavatam. But sometimes it can't be done right away. Wasn't it Chitraketu who wanted a son? And uh, was it uh, uh, Angiramuni came and wanted to give him transcendental knowledge? 
but he recognized it can't be done now. He's not. There's there's no way. He is so attached to getting a son at this point that what can I do to benefit him except give him what he wants? <laughs> Horace, what is Harsh it? Harsh Ashoka. Yes, it's good and it's bad. <laughs> it's heavy. It's very heavy. <laughs> but that's all he could give him right then, Angira. Now, then he came back after the whole fiasco of getting a son and loving a son and and wanting to give everything to his son and putting his Young, his wife, who gave him the son at the at the top of the pack of of so many wives, and then the envy of the other wives led to the other wives. Well, I can't have a son, and their little envy comes in, and then all of a sudden, well, let's kill it. So they killed the son. Then Angira comes back with Narda, and then he's still lamenting. And Narda animates the body of the child. And the boy says, what makes you think I'm your son? I could be anybody's son. I'll not be your son because I may be off, I may be off and be something else at this point. So it's an interesting thing. Then Chitraketu was ready to hear. Then. Narda, after hearing the narration, after the animation of the sun, then, now, ready, now we can hear. Because we recognize even the sun, which I desired for who knows how long, it didn't give me what I wanted. Do I want another one? It could die too. And do I really want to have this kind of a, of a household life where one wife is willing to kill my son because of envy of my other wife? What kind of a life have I been living? What kind of life is this for me? So then he could hear. Then he made spiritual advancement. So it's a perfect arrangement, Krishna's Veda. It has something for everyone and for everyone at every stage of consciousness. So then we come to the to the Upasandakanda where where the person is willing to enter into meditation and willing to enter into worship. But it goes beyond the body mind self. So you wanted me to reread what what is it rooted in? Well the person is still rooted in a separate sense of self. They're not yet at the level of trans, completely being transcendental. They still look at their self, but they're beyond the body-mind. It's now the self in relationship to transcendence. Allows for the self-sense, their self of sense, to be expanded, to go beyond just the body and the mind. And reorganized. You just have to start thinking differently about things. At the higher dimensional frequency. <laughs> at a higher frequency. You have to think beyond 
the way you've been thinking. And you have to enter into the true essence of sattva guru. You cannot, you can no longer be plagued with ignorance. You, and this requires some effort on the part of the practitioner. They have to make some effort to give up ignorance. They have to, you know, be willing to engage in some a worthwhile meditative process that's going to help purify uh, their existence. Then we can come to the Gyan Karma. Jnana I'm sorry, Kanda. Janakanda Shastra deals with ultimate reality. Deals with transcendence. But it deals with transcendence in, in what way? In a way where it's an effort-based process. If I can get knowledge and acquire enough knowledge about what is spiritual and what is material and what is the nature of myself and apply that knowledge so it's beyond the meditation and the worship. It's about entering into transcendence, entering into Brahman, beyond the cosmos and the gunas of nature, becoming part of the spiritual, a spiritual reality. Jnana karma, jnana karna, I'm sorry, khanda, jnana khanda is applicable when the self-concept proceeds to the transcendental self or atma, the true essence of your being. Trains one to recognize everything as Brahman. You now see everything as, it's spiritual, everything ultimately rests in spirit. Only one thing lacking the conception of the Supreme Spirit, what's behind, what's the background. So you can make a lot of progress with the Janakanda. You can progress spiritually to Brahman realization. That's as far as you can go in your self effort-based uh, path for transcendence. Bhakti, bhakti and the concept of Swayam Bhagavan, that's all coming through the agency of the Lord's Swarup Shakti. But we're finding here what? that his Sharup Shakti is also there in a secret way in other Shastras because all those other Shastras and the Puranas as pointed out in the Tattva Sandarbha hint to the Srimad Bhagavatam as being the topmost manifestation. How topmost? It can't be beat. It's the it's like the sun in comparison to all the other shastra. It has that much to offer. 
that it attracts even Krishna. Because why? It is his internal potency. It is his Swarup Shakti. So karma is intended for the body-mind, self, upasana, for the higher sattvic self, and jnan, for the transcendental self. Srivad Bhagavatam transcends all three of these approaches. However, as it deals with the dimension of being beyond liberation. Jiva goes on in his Sandarva. The statement, the only truly abiding substantive is the truth to be investigated here, Vedya, indicates that Bhagavatam is similarly superior even to Jnana Shastra. Makes sense. The Jnana Shastras which are generally indifferent to devotion to Bhagavan, lack definitive knowledge of the truth which is to be known, Vedja. As is stated, those who spurn devotion to you, the path of supreme blessedness, O Supreme Lord, and suffer many hardships to attain enlightenment, are left in the end with nothing more than their fatigue. It is useless labor like pounding husks in the hope of obtaining rice. This is said by Brahma after he saw the Brahma Vimohan. The whole Brahma Vimohan Leela Leela led to this statement from Brahma. Wow. If they could only see what and who see you for who you are and what you are and everything that everything that is anything is actually you you are yourself you can manifest as your associates your associates turn into Vishnu forms those Vishnu forms are worshipped in all the universes by all the Brahmas, so, I mean, he saw all this. When he saw, when the cows and cowherd boys, calves and cowherd boys turned into manifestations of, of Vishnu, they were, they were completely wor- worshipped by all the universes and all of their associates. It wasn't just Vishnus by themselves. I mean, Brahma had a complete vision of what, that everything is coming from this little compact, condensed, medium-sized Supreme Personality of Godhead in Vraj. This indicates that definitive knowledge of the Absolute can be obtained only here from Srimad Bhagavatam. Srimad Bhagavatam bestows not only the respective results of the other three paths, so there's nothing lacking for the devotee. If he needs some material benefit because he's still attached, he's not lacking. Krishna explains that. I fulfill his desires if they're still there. But I fulfill them in such a way 
that it's spiritually it's spiritually beneficial so we do not have to be concerned if there's still some material desire if we have a desire then we have to take it to the the supreme fulfiller of all desires not that well i'll leave my i i'll, I'll do my para krishna consciousness my transcendental krishna consciousness but if i want a good wife let me go to uh the karmakanda section of the uh, shastra and uh, hire a priest and perform a sacrifice the devotee doesn't need to take those kind of actions but actualizes the highest potential available to conscious beings that of love for the complete person so there's more here and we will continue in the next class finishing this anacheda and going on to an anacheda that deals specifically with the the heart of the bhagavatam the chakra sloki so are there any questions thank you so much for your association